0: Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books.
1: Hello, everyone. I hope wherever you are, spring has sprung and things are warming up and flowers are blooming and hopefully there's not too much pollen. Anyway, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. You are in for a treat. Today we have on multi-genre author James L. Hill with us. And if you have never read his books, let me introduce him through his bio and you can get to know him a little bit and then we will find out all about those books. So... James is a native New Yorker born and raised in the Bronx, and he has a scientific mind and a spirit that nothing is impossible. If you want it bad enough, he enjoys traveling to new places and seeing what life has to offer. He's written the killer series as JL Hill and science fiction Pegasus, A Journey to New Eden with a Slant on the Dark Side of Life. He has also penned the fantasy The Emerald Lady, the first in the Gemstone series, and coming soon is book two, The Ruby Cradle. He has recently started his own publishing company, Rock Hill Publishing, to help new and established writers realize their dreams, too. You can learn more about him on his website. I did put a link to that right on the blog talk site. So if you're listening with us live today or if you're listening later, you can click that anytime and find out more about his books and his publishing company and find out when that next book is going to drop so without any further delay are you there james i am here all right thanks for (laughs) i'm good (laughs) thanks for being on today so i think your most recent book is called the killer with ice eyes do you want to tell everybody about it and why they should go grab a copy
0: yes okay so that's the end of the series this is a four book series and the killer with ice eyes wraps up the entire mafia gang uh world of uh mojo and nikki roxy uh so up and up until then it's mostly the the series mostly focuses on uh mojo morris johnson he's the main character he's the driving force behind everything he's a little maniac that's uh <laughs> Criminal genius, and his (laughs) friend Nicky is uh, his best partner, and he's the one who wants to be uh, Godfather. So you have these two guys uh, coming up with all kinds of uh, criminal endeavors. Mostly, mostly the book is about revenge. They come up with these ideas, things go wrong, and then it started a whole cavalcade of uh, of situations, and of course. As is with most criminal things, there's going to be revenge. Whether you started it or not, you're still going to get revenge on the people that, uh, that, you, that you have a beef with. So, Killer with Ice Eyes, uh, or I'll tell you this, Killer with Ice Eyes is Nikki's daughter who's now grown up. Oh, and if you okay. want to read the books in order, you can read one through four that way. Or you could read two and four and one and three, because that's the way I kind of like stitch the story together. So okay. you wouldn't want to read Killer with Ice Eyes if you didn't read Killer with Three Heads, which is book two.
1: Okay. So they should read them in order. Otherwise, they're going to get big spoilers.
0: Uh, somewhat, yeah. Well, everything, there's there's some cast back so that you wouldn't uh, miss out on anything in the story. So if you're reading book four and you haven't read any of the other books, then you will know what went on in book two and three and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So you, wouldn't know so you won't be lost. There. Right, you won't be lost. But you get a much fuller idea and understanding of the characters if you read book two before you read book four. The same thing with book three, Killed with Black Blood. If you read book one before you read book three, then you'll get a fuller fuller idea of that story. Uh, Book three is about Nicky becoming the godfather. But it relates to book one, where he's not the godfather yet.
1: Ah, gotcha. And in this series, is it just about the mafia people, or are they being chased by justice too?
0: Oh, yeah. There's government officials in there, the FBI, the FBI. The NSA, uh, the Russian mob. Uh,
1: oh my God! They don't
0: mess around too much with the Chinese mob. Uh, <laughs> there's a line in the book. I don't remember exactly what it is. It's something like, yeah, we, yeah, everybody will go after the Italian mob, the Irish mob, and the Russians, but nobody will mess around with the Chinese.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. I know that from your bio that you grew up in the Bronx, but what inspired you to write, you know, a mafia series?
0: Uh, because I grew up with mobsters. <laughs> I grew up in the South Bronx first where there was a bunch of gangs. So it's, it's about street gangs and the mob and the mafia. So I grew up with street gangs and then I moved up into a mafia controlled neighborhood and I knew a lot of people in the mob. So wow, some of my friends and I worked with a guy who was really big in the mob, uh, Pat. And I used to drive around in his caddy, which used to be Paul Castellano's caddy, the one that Paul Castellano got gunned down in. So it got Wow. It went down to Pat and I would 'cause Pat told me you always have to keep a legitimate job. You know, the the way to maintain your life in crime is to keep something on the books so they wouldn't have something to come looking at you for. So right. he kept a nice legitimate job, and I worked for him. Uh, uh, we worked in a bank. Uh, and he was a good friend of the family. I, I wound up working in my mom's department. This is way back in the 70s when, you know, your, your parents could get you into a job. Right. And I got into the job because I, I wrote the sort pattern for their check processing. So I wound up in the check processing division. And Pat was my supervisor, and I would either drive up to the, the Yonkers and pick him up, and we drive down in the caddy, or he would come down to the Bronx, pick me up, and we drive down in the caddy. We always drove in the caddy.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I so, love that. And, of
0: course, Pat had great, great stories to tell.
1: And have they, as far as you know, have they read any of your books?
0: Well, Pat hasn't. Pat been dead for decades now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So you're safe. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and my and my stories are made up. I was I rack my brain to make sure that this isn't something someone told me about because, you know, you, right. you wanna make up the the crimes and stuff Yeah, But you know, you know about different things like money laundering, numbers running, drug dealing, all that kind of stuff, you know, gun running, you know. All all kinds of things like that. Uh, You kind of know about that stuff, but you just make sure that the stories you tell aren't true stories, you know.
1: Right. Because I don't (laughs) don't want anybody knocking on your door. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Or winding up in a shallow grave somewhere in Jersey.
1: (laughs) Yes. Nobody wants that. (laughs) So. So what inspired you from, you know, that that colorful background with the mob? Did you always want to be a writer, or did you later in life get bitten, you know, you wanted to tell, the, tell your stories? What was your writing journey like?
0: Oh, I always wanted to be a writer. I used to uh, write, well, back when I was a kid in the South Bronx, uh, we used to read the Marvel comics, and then mm-hmm. we would... Uh, Read the comic, and you know, the Marvel comics came out in series. Right. So we'd get to the end of that comic, and then we would start, then I would start to figure out, okay, what's the next part of this story going to be? And I would write my own sequel to the story with tracing the characters out and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, trying to figure out what the next part of the story is. I got a hand at this, Stan Lee. I never guessed right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do have some crazy twists in those comics. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. But that that's where I started really thinking about writing and being a writer. And then my father used to call me Radio Mouth because I would talk to myself because I had all these characters in, in my head going mm-hmm. on and on and on. And so my father like, you know, you talk so much, you talk to yourself. And I guess he didn't really realize that I was talking to all the other voices in my head. And right, things like that. <laughs> so many, many people living inside me.
1: And so, when did you write your first? When did you write your first book?
0: Uh, actually, I think Pegasus is probably my first actual full-length book I wrote, uh, and that was back in like 1980, I think, around there, when Reagan was having the uh, SALT talk. And the mm-hmm. reason why I wrote that, because at the time, my wife asked me, what did I think about, you know, the nuclear arm treaties? And I told her, well, you we don't really have to worry about the nuclear arms because we got no place to go. But as soon as we find another planet we can live on, all bets are off.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. So and did that you... became... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, did you find a publisher for that, or did you hold it until self-publishing came along? What, how did that all come about?
0: I did not find a publisher for that. I went, since I lived in New York, I had brilliant ideas, and one of my brilliant ideas was I was <laughs> got to uh, take up a paper job, delivering, I think it was the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, Maybe the Wall Street Journal. I think that's the heavier one. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Ah, bourbon's not helping the cough. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I, took this, so I took up a job because I would take the Midtown route, and that would take me to all the publishing companies. Oh. And so I was, I was writing short stories, sci-fi short stories, and everything at that time, too. I figured, all right, it takes a year or two to write a book. I can write eh, maybe five, six, seven, eight short stories in the same time. So let me do that and get my name out there as a short storyist. And therefore, I would then be looked upon in much better light. And, of course, I could then publish books. Mm-hmm. And so as I went through delivering the papers, I also delivered my short stories to different magazine companies and different publishing companies and all that kind of stuff. Great idea. Didn't work out at all.
1: No. Dang. (laughs) You know, I was lucky. I got to meet uh, Ray Bradbury a couple times before he died, and he would tell oh, really? stories about. Yeah, oh, he was so, he was so passionate about writing and words that you just cried listening to him. He was just very passionate about it, but he told stories about how they couldn't afford a phone so he put on all of his manuscripts the phone number for the payphone across the street and every time he heard it ring he'd go racing across the street and he finally got this great idea that he would take a bus and or I can't remember if it was a bus or a train, but anyway, to New York. And he would go to all the publishing houses and and walk in with his books. I thought, oh, that was a different world back then. Um, but oh, yeah. he did have dinner with one publisher, but most of them told him, no, this is not how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you were in good company. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no no one really likes you just sliding your stuff under the door. But I did get some really interesting uh, rejection notices.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet cease and desist letters. (laughs) (laughs) Did you end up getting any of your short stories published?
0: Uh, No, I did not. Actually, after I went back to writing software because that's the other thing I love. So I went. To being a software engineer and I worked for several years in in that field working for the government and for private industry and all that kind of stuff in word documents and everything and then I said you know what I know enough now that I know how to publish books and so that's when I started my own publishing company and I met up with a very nice lady from South Africa who lives in South Africa and uh, she was a romance writer so we were on Facebook and they were doing this thing with, you know, likes for likes, you know. If you right. like my, I will like yours and that's going to push up our uh, algorithms. Well, when people said that, it was like, yeah, that's not going to do anything for your algorithm. <laughs> but, no. <laughs> okay, fine. So I was doing that. And what I did was I wound up connecting with this uh, woman. Her name is uh, Athena Paris. And she was a romance writer. So, you know, and I started talking to her, and she likes editing. And she was a school teacher at the time. She was teaching um, Afrikaans students English. Now, Afrikaans in South Africa are Dutch. They speak oh. somewhat of Dutch uh, language. So there's the white kids in South Africa who speak Dutch. Uh, if you know anything about <laughs> history, you know the Boer Wars was between the English and the Dutch in in um, South Africa. Uh, so she wound up teaching them English. And so I told her, well, she really likes editing. So I told her, okay, I'll tell you what. You edit my stuff, and I'll publish your stuff. What she didn't know was I read her first book. So that's I started talking to her. I wanted to see, you know, because I was – uh, you get some shady people on uh, on Facebook and stuff. Like people say, what? Hey, just write <laughs> Yeah. Amazing, right? Amazing.
1: I uh, know, yeah, I'm people, shocked.
0: <laughs> yeah, people will tell you something like, Uh, if you write a review for me, I'll write a review for you and I'm like, All right, I'll send you my book and they'll be like, No, 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 don't bother, I'll just write the review And I'm like, No, if you don't read the book, how are you gonna write the review? You know, I just don't want you to say something nice. I can do that myself. I could open right. up a hundred different IDs and just write all my own reviews. That's not what I want. I want honesty. So, you know, I was doing that, and I was, and I started reading something about her, and I started reading the her book, and then I sat down, and it really hooked me. Her book was called Love and Madness, and it's like a soap opera type of book. And I'm not really a romance type of reader, but I'll read anything. And so right. when I started reading this book and everything, and it was such an intriguing story, a generational type story that I told her, you know, if you edit my book, I'll publish yours. And uh, that's how uh, Rock Hill Publishing came into being because I needed, I need an editor.
1: Right. Everyone. Knows. I almost failed I
0: English. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I
0: almost failed English in uh, in high school. You know, They told me I had great ideas. I was a great writer. I will be a fantastic writer, but I'm a horrible speller and my English is atrocious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your grammar is a little off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you, are you guys, (laughs) there you go. Are you guys partners in the publishing company or is she just editing?
0: Yes. No, no, no. She's my right hand. She's the better half of the Rock Hill Publishing.
1: And so, how, many, yeah. how many books do you guys publish? How many authors do you have?
0: Uh, I think we got like seven, eight, something like that, nine. Numbers are bad for me. I think we have about <laughs> 12 books out. Uh, we okay. got about seven or eight uh, authors, something like that, somewhere in there. Uh, she has four romances out, and she's working on a fantasy but she's gonna go back and finish book two. She finally told me she'll finish book two before she finishes the fantasy one. I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Because you left that <laughs> one. And you, you,
1: Cliffhanger. She has
0: a very nice thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, she has a very nice book. Um, All I ever wanted. Uh, which one is this? All I ever wanted, Jesse. So it's about the it's about this girl, and the four brothers, right? And it's a family feud that goes on between the between the two families, right? And um, so this girl who happened to be in the one family, and these four brothers are all after her, right?
1: So mm-hmm.
0: the book two is what started the feud, you know, with the grandmother and stuff. So you get book one, and it ends at some point with the girl and one of the brothers getting together and all that kind of so to find out why these people have this blood feud going on. You have to read the second part of that book. And so I've been telling her for the longest, come on, just finish editing the book.
1: Kind of write that book. <laughs> I know, you,
0: yeah, I know, I know you want to do the, do the fantasy one, but let's get the <laughs> second one out. <laughs> so finally she told, she told me a couple of weeks ago, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and finish the second the second book because she's stuck on the first book now. The it's a it's a trilogy with the fantasy, but she's kind of stuck on that. And I'm like, well, now that's a good reason to go on to go back and finish the other book. That's what that's I do. Right. I get stuck in a story. When I get stuck in a story, I just switch stories.
1: Mhm. And let your brain just percolate on it for yeah. a while till the right idea comes yeah. up. Well, speaking yep. of, since The Killer with Ice Eyes is the final book of the Killer series, what's next for you? What are you working on now?
0: Well, I'm going back to my fantasy series because I have The Ruby Cradle, which is halfway written, and The Diamond Warrior, which is also halfway written. So I jump from genre to genre so to keep my mind fresh. <laughs> I don't like to write one thing after another because you kind of like it stale and you'll see that you're putting out the same idea, the same storylines and stuff like that. But if you jump genres and write something completely different, then you're coming at it with a completely fresh idea. And these two stories have been sitting there for a while because I went back and finished the uh, killer series. And, you know, my, my people, Maria, was in the killer series in Ice Eyes. She was like, come on, come on, finish the story, tell my story. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. And I had a little hesitation because, you know, I didn't want to end the story either. You, right. you have these characters that, you know, you grew up with and you loved them and everything. And, you know, when you write that story, it's over. And, right. You know.
1: It's hard to so, end a series.
0: Yeah. But she wanted her story told. She wanted me to get out there and, and finally put it out and finish the story. So I did. And now I can go back to my uh mermaids and pirates and dragons, and actually we're jumping uh, centuries here. We're going back in time to the age of castles with the ruby cradle.
1: Oh, I love it. Do you want to tell everybody about, because the first book in that series is already out, right? The Emerald Lady. Do you want to tell everybody yeah. about that series? Because they should go grab it if you're going to have the next two out soon.
0: Yeah. Okay, so The, the Emerald Lady is a pirate mermaid love story. So it takes place in the golden age of piracy and there are historical or historical light stories. So during the golden age of piracy, uh Jeremy uh sailed back to England with this uh with milled lumber. Uh, part of what made America take off so so much when they came and they settled America was that we had all this untouched forest land. Now Europe had already depleted their forests pretty much right. by this time and this was the age of tall ships. So the shipbuilding industry really needed lumber and that's what made America prosper so much because we had a lot, a lot of lumber. And so he decided that they should mill the lumber before they send it over there to build ships. But it also made the ship much heavier. And so he sails out there, and he's a midshipman on the ship and the captain on the Rummy gal and everything. And they leave kind of late in, like, October. So you know what happens in October? Hurricane and, uh, season,
1: right? <laughs>
0: that's right. <laughs> so they run into this hurricane, and the ship is torn apart and everything. And Shira, a mermaid, was following the ship, and she rushes in, and she saves Jeremy. Now, Jeremy does not believe in mermaids and all that kind of stuff because, after all, he's a man of the modern times and, you know, don't don't believe in all that um, superstitious stuff. But, of course, when she saves his life, he immediately falls in love with her because, after all, men fall in love with mermaids. Mermaids don't necessarily fall in love with men.
1: Yes. But she
0: does because she, yeah, but she feels he's a good person. She could, she could tell he's such a good person and everything. She does fall in love with him, and she asked her mother to help to send her other mermaids to help carry him back to land. And the mom, who happened to be the queen of the mermaids, tell her absolutely not. His fate was sailed when he went to sea. She should have let him drown. She actually saved him and put him in a sunken ship, in an air pocket in this sunken ship. And so uh, they they... They said no, the mom said no, and Shira won't take no for an answer, so she tried to save them herself and causes this uh, tragedy to happen. And so the mom then curses them. She curses Shira that she can no longer change back into a mermaid form. She must stay in human form, but she can't oh. leave the water. She must stay around the sea. She can't leave the water. So she's not fully human. She told a mermaid. But she's just in human form, so so she's she a mermaid with water, no tail, like that, right? She's a mermaid with no tail. She can't breathe water, none of that, right? Dang. But she must stay in water.
1: Dang, mom, that's so, mean.
0: Yes, and that's what all the mermaids think too. And Jeremy, <laughs> being the being the noble man that he is, told the mom, "Well, that's fine. I'll take care of her. She'll be fine. I'll n- she'll never want for anything." And mom says, well, that's very good because as long as she is alive, you cannot die. And then he finds out that mermaids live for a 1,000 years.
1: (laughs) So he's going to have a much longer life than he had anticipated. Yes. And mom (laughs) is going
0: to make sure that he does not have an enjoyable life. (laughs) Yes. So...
1: (laughs) I love that. I I have an Immortal Pirate series because I wanted to write pirates, but I didn't want to write historical. So they, in the 1700s, they pirated the Holy Grail and drank from it. And so the crew who drank from the cup are still in Savannah today. And so my books take place today, but my mermaid was a warrior. And um, so anyway, she chapter one shoots him so you know it's a different kind of mermaid love story <laughs> but i think it's funny oh, that yeah. we both have mermaids and pirates <laughs> oh yeah it's a, a
0: slightly different type of love <laughs>
1: yes yeah different different kind of love story this one was enemies to lovers obviously but eventually he wins her over um <laughs> but, but i'd love um Every time I meet somebody else who's written a mermaid, everybody has different, you know, mythology with it. And I just think it's so cool. Like, I, I decided that my, mer- my mermaids are actually from um, Venus, where it's the water planet. And they made these portals that are under the ocean for us. And so they were involved with Atlantis and all this stuff. But how, what is the origin story for you and your mermaids? Or do you find out later in your series? where they can oh no um
0: the mythology comes in and you're going to be very interested in this uh that there's three races that take care of the earth there's the mermaids who take care of the water and Mm -hmm. and life there's the men who take care of the land and then there was these other beings who was almost like spirits and they're supposed to clean up death and everything like that from things that die. So the ones that are the Molotov, they were always feared because they were like fiery beings and they were kind of like feared. So they were always alone. Now the mermaids and the men can get together. And at that point they weren't really mermaids, but these two can get together. And so they decided to go to the tree of life, which is in the center of the world. And, Merge their power. That's what the Molly Tom told them. That we go to this tree of life. We can merge our powers, and we can all share and be one. Well, mm-hmm. well. In doing so, uh, the the man stabs the tree to get the sound. Oh,
1: really? Bad, why are you trash?
0: <laughs> yeah, bad idea. Because yes. that's why. Humans have short lives.
1: Oh, that's a and good one. I like that.
0: Then the mermaids couldn't live outside of water for any period of time. They would have to return to the water. And the Molotov became a dragon.
1: Love because it. Because
0: it was his idea. Mm-hmm. So he became. So he changes into a dragon. And what happens is the, he can change the other Molotov, into dragons, also. So it turns nice. it turned them completely dark. So mm-hmm. dragons are the evil ones, and the mermaids then fought the dragons and put and captured them because you can't kill them. Ah. Only a dragon could kill another kill dragon. Kill
1: a dragon. Okay. Right. Wow. So that's where the
0: ruby cradle comes in. You can capture them and push them back into their elemental form. But you couldn't kill them. Right. So in the first book, they release the dragon. They go to the last living dragon who has, by this time, lived on a mountain at the top of the Himalayas, right? So he lives up on this mountain because he is done with humans and mermaids and all this kind of stuff. And so... In order to find out where the mom sent Shearer and Jeremy, they go to the dragon, to the last dragon, and tell him, hey, I'll tell you where all your brother dragons are if you use your, your, your eyesight and tell us where they put Sheera and Jeremy. So they know mm-hmm. the mom is talking the hell out of them. <laughs> so, so the dragon lets them know where they're at, and he releases the rest of the dragons back into the world. Which is what brings oh, us to book
1: the diamond two. one.: Oh no, oh, no book okay. two. the
0: ruby cradle. The Ruby oh, cradle okay. is what the dragons wind up being trapped in oh, okay their, when they go back to the elemental form so oh. And now they have to find out how do they get them into the ruby cradle to begin with because only a few of the mermaids know uh, oh, okay mom knows, of course, her sister knows, and of course they're out there torturing the crap out of her sister, uh because uh Aberish because Aberish is the one who let them out. And since they've been in captivity for a couple hundred years, they're now back and they are going to just destroy everything.
1: <laughs> oh, well it would be so fun to keep talking about this, but we're out of time and I don't want her to hang up on you. So can you tell everybody where they can connect with you after they read your books and they're excited and they want to bug you for the next book? How can, do you have a newsletter? Are you on social media? How can readers get in touch?
0: I have a newsletter. You can go to jlhill-books.com, which is for me, or you can go to rockhillpublishing.com, which is my publishing company, in which case you can not only find my books and information about me, but all my other writers also. And, of course, I'm on Facebook and all that other sort of stuff. Just look up James Hill or Rock Hill Publishing, and you'll find me out there.
1: Okay. Well, thanks so much for being here. It was super fun chatting with you. And good luck on that next mermaid book. Can't wait.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm working on it. I went back to it. They've been talking to me. The dragon has been complaining. (laughs) <laughs> you know, everybody been talking. When when are you gonna get back to us?
1: <laughs> yep, now's the time. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here, James.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com dot com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.